Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now today is a day, and the hour is upon you, to be very careful and to watch very carefully your obedience. For there are things that I am speaking and things that I am directing in the lives of men and women in this body in which your adherence to and obedience of will cause a great breakthrough in your life, in your health, in your finances, in your businesses, in all that concerns you. There is a readiness in the Spirit to pour out from my hand that which belongs unto you by faith, that which you've prayed for, that which you've believed for. So I'm sending forth assignments and instructions. Be careful. Be sensitive. Listen. Hear. And obey quickly. And the miracle shall happen. The provisions shall come. The blessing shall take place. And all will know that God is glorified in your midst. So listen carefully, for my voice shall speak. And as it does, you shall know it is my voice and not another. And you shall obey, and there it'll be. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The third letter of John to the church. Same scripture in verse 2. Let me read this again. Actually, I'd rather read it in the Amplified. Is that okay? I'm going to read it in the Amplified. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Now, we've been using some words and some terminologies, some things the Lord's given me about, it's been about three weeks ago, about the intent of God. What is the intent of God? We looked in the garden and we saw the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 and determined, and it's not hard to determine, that that was not what God intended. Amen? It was not what God intended. God did not intend uh, for man to fall. He did not intend for sickness and poverty and all that it brings to come into the, come into the world system. And look at the result of it. Look at the war. Look at the, the hate. Look at the prejudice. Look at all that has happened in 6,000 years of what I like to call negative human history because there ain't been a whole lot positive about it. I still remember to this day it still it impresses me. An article I was reading, I was flying to Europe to, to minister in some meetings and it was an article in a, in a Newsweek magazine referring back to an article that was written in the year 1899 as the 20th century was dawning. A, a, a writer of one of the publications of the time wrote an article. At that time, the steam engine, uh, the telegraph, uh, uh, things that they were doing with electricity, uh, light bulbs, all this kind of stuff that was being invented. And in this article, this, this man penned that because of the great advance of technology, that it took place in just the last 25 years, you know, 1875 to 1900. He said, we are surely going to enter into a century of peace. Well, the 20th century was not a century of peace. 
My goodness, we had two world wars. We had, we had other wars going on Korea, Vietnam. The Middle East was on fire. I mean, it was just a tumultuous time. And listen, just because we have more technology now doesn't mean we're going to have peace in our time. You say, why? Because of man's condition in Adam. Man fell. There was a snake in the garden. Everybody say, a snake in the garden. Now that snake brought the woman and the man under a different influence. Everybody say influence. And when they begin to be influenced by the adversary of God, their perspective changed. And when their perspective changed, literally, they were literally assured or persuaded that their activity would have no consequence. You ever done anything in your life that had a negative consequence Three people. Me and Larry. (laughs) Amen. I did some things that had some very negative consequences in my life. That if I would have known the consequences that it was going to cause in my life, I would not have done it. How many know what I'm talking about? I wouldn't have done it. If I'd have known, you know, doing that is what caused this, I wouldn't have done that. Amen. Well, you know, that's literally what happened in the garden if they would have known that that, that, that produced this. You say, what is that? Their fall, their, their, their sin of, of literally it was high treason against God has caused all the hate, all the pain, all of the destruction, sickness, disease, poverty, war, and death has been upon the planet for 6,000 years. The Bible says because of the act or the sin of one man, Romans chapter 6. Amen. And when all of that happened, literally the intention of God got put on hold. And God had to intervene. He found a man named Abraham. We talked about Abraham and how God was able to influence Abraham. He was able to change his perspective. And the Bible says he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to deliver or also able to perform. Now listen, when he did that, God began the process of bringing redemption to the earth. Israel rising up, the the, the dynasty of King David out of David's lineage. Here came Jesus. Thank God he did. Now listen, when Jesus came upon the earth, a whole new paradigm began. It was the most radical thing to ever happen on the planet for God himself to visit earth in the form of a human being. But he didn't just come on a sightseeing tour. He came and revealed the nature of God. But not only that, the Bible says He provided a way in which there seemed to be no way. for Listen, for lack of a better term, for humanity again to enter into the garden. You say, what do you mean? He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. He did that so that the intention of God could be acted out on the earth again. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Right here. This right here this morning. This is the intention of God. For people to gather. For people to worship God. For us to pray for the sick. For us to minister the gifts of the Holy Ghost. For all these things. That, for us to preach to the nations of the world. All these things that are going on in our life and ministry. These are the intentions of God. And the blessings of God in our life. Those are the intentions of God also. It is God's intention that you may prosper. And be in health even as your soul prospers. Let me say that again. It is God's intent. You say, then why am I prospering? Why am I not in health? Because there are still negative influences on the earth trying to keep your perspective off of the intention of God. 
Amen. So I wrote a bunch of notes in my Bible so I wouldn't have to get up here with a notebook. First of all, this is so powerful. If you can get this this morning, you, you will have something in your spirit. When you got born again, you entered into the intention of God for your life. The Bible says this about salvation. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into the knowledge of God. That totally cancels, that cancels Calvinism. That can, cancels some get saved, others don't. That cancels all of that. The true intention of God is for everyone to be saved. You say, well, then why doesn't everybody get saved? Because the choice is still left in the human family. The human family still maintains its right of choice. I like to say it like this. Everybody can be saved, but not everybody gets saved. Now, when it comes to His blessing in your life, everybody can be healed, but not everybody gets healed. Everybody can prosper, but not everybody prospers. It depends on how far you want to depart from the intentions of your adversary and get up under the intentions of God. How much you want to put into that? How far do you want to go? How much do you want to discover of what God truly intends for you to have and who He truly intends for you to be? Amen? So in thinking about that and wondering about that, I begin to look at some things. Number one, we must allow the truth that is the Word of God to impact us with the reality of God's intention. It is His intention. And when I use the word intention, let's just take that word out and use this. It's His will. It was His will for you to be saved. It was His will for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It was His will for you to join the Holy Ghost Church. It's His will for you to tithe and offer and give. It's His will for you to be delivered from all the bondage of your past. It's His will for you to be blessed. It is His will or His intention that you literally live in a little piece of heaven right here on earth. You say, but, 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 but that's kind of pie in the sky, Pastor Rusty. Everybody has problems. Christ is alive comes to everybody. It is His intention that you understand your authority, that you understand your power, and when you do have a problem, you run the devil out of your life. That's God's intention. Now, it is the Word of God that puts you under the influence of it. Amen? The Bible says, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians 3 or 4. I think it's chapter 4, where it says, We all with open face beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of God. That means when we look into the Word of God, we're looking into His glory. Amen? And when you look into His glory, there is a residual effect. There's no other book like this. There's no other printing on the earth that is like this. No other book has power like this. No other book changes lives like this book. No other books can change a nation, change a city, change a group of people. No other book can do this but the Bible because the Word of God is the life of God and the will of God in manifestation. And it is intended for you to come under the influence of it. Amen. Now, we've used this illustration before. Of course, nobody in here, uh, you know, drinks anymore because we've been delivered from alcohol. You say, why? Because it'll kill you. Amen. But if you were to go drinking, you would find out to get inebriated or to get drunk is a process. There are no bars in Galveston that have a swimming pool full of whiskey where you can dive in and come up drunk. That's just not how it's done. Amen. Is there? Let me make sure. I mean, you know, I, you never know. I mean, 
So you go sit down at the bar and you have a drink. Amen. Now you sit down in a place of sobriety. Now, sobriety is really, when it comes to the believer, a lot of people's problems, and when they walk, try to walk by faith, they try to serve God, they try to, they try to uh, uh, find the will of God for their life, find the provision of God for their life, find out exactly, okay, what is it that God has designed for me? What is His, what is his will for my life? A lot of people's problem is, is they, they, they maintain their sobriety and they don't allow themselves to get under the influence. So if you were to do it with alcohol, you would start with one drink. So a lot of people get, 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 get you know, they drink a drink, and they, and they drink another drink, and they drink another drink, and they spend the night drinking. And it's a process. But when you get to the end of the process, you're totally different than you were before you started. It's amazing what alcohol does to people. I used to know, I had friends of mine that were alcoholics, that were drunks, and, you know, somebody that, that was very timid and shy and hardly would ever say anything, they'd get full of alcohol. Next thing you know, they're boisterous and talking. People that, you know, they couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag, they, they'd want to fight everybody in the bar. There'd be a radical and total change of perception and personality brought on by the influence of the alcohol. Now, there are a lot of things in our society they can cause you to come under the influence. You can come, you can go, listen, that's why, listen church, you have to be careful, 2020, that you don't allow a, pers- a political persuasion to bring you under an influence so that it causes you to lose your perspective. Amen. We're not a political church. We don't get up and say we're this or we're that. We pray for all leaders, but here's the thing. Those are powerful, powerful things that you can come under the influence of. And I've seen people leave churches, get mad, get all upset because are you this way, are you that way? No, we believe in Jesus. That's, that's our political persuasion right there. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, master of all, ruler of all. Amen. So you get under alcohol, drugs, all that. You, you, you're totally changed. You're a changed person. Now, what alcohol, drugs, all the negative things that put you under the influence do, it does exactly what the Word does. The intention... <laughs> The intention of alcohol is not to produce what you see on the commercials in the magazine ads. Amen. You ever notice that on they show all of the most beautiful people on the planet drinking Miller Lite or Dos Equis or whatever it is. But in reality, if you have a friend that has been drinking Miller Lite for 35 years, they will not put that guy in the commercial. <laughs> Am I right? They're not going to put him in the commercial. You say, why not? Because he's so under the influence that his perspective has changed and he's fully persuaded that whatever he needs is in that bottle right there. That's why he drinks a case of it every day. Amen. I used to have a friend who used to drink a case of Miller Lite every day. Now, the Word of God has more power than alcohol, has more power than drugs, has more power than any political persuasion. Amen. And your exposure to the Word of God is a beginning place in which God begins to bring you under the influence of His intention for your life. Amen. And the amazing phenomenon 
is the fight we put up against it. Now let me say that again. The amazing phenomenon is the fight. Now I'm not talking about the world, the, you know, the, uh, all the bad people, all the stuff. No, no, I'm talking about the church. Is the fight we put up against anything that would cause us to come under the influence of true revelation knowledge in the Word of God. So people fight with religion, with tradition, with denominationalism, with all these things saying this is the only way it is and the only people that are really going to go to heaven is us. You know, I, we're going to be so surprised when we get to heaven. Of all of the people that are going to be there that you thought would never get there. I, I was listening the other day to a, to a, to a tape. Uh, it, was, it, was a, uh, uh, it wasn't a tape. It's a, uh, what was that thing I could plug into my car? iPod. I was listening to it. And uh, 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 Norville Hayes. I don't know if anybody knows Norville Hayes. How many remember Norville Hayes? Some of, some of these. He was telling the testimony of Rock Hudson getting saved three days before he died. And how Rock Hudson was an atheist. I mean, he hated God. He hated everything about God. He didn't want nothing to do with God. But the little nurse that got in there was ministering to him was uh, one of Norval Hayes' supporters. And so she got all of his tapes and, and got a cassette recorder and put them in there, had them all cleaned and, and, and uh, sanitized and put them in there. And she would cut them on and his boyfriend would go in there and take them, throw them in the trash. She'd go dig them out of the trash, put them back in there. And he said he got so bad in the, in the AIDS that was in his body and he was dying and he wouldn't, that, that man wouldn't go back in there anymore. She was the only one that was going in there. And she said I, the, the, the third day before he died, he said, I walked into the house and I could hear Norval Hayes' voice up in his room. And so he said, I went up there and I said, I said uh, uh, Mr. Hudson, would you like to receive Jesus? He said, I would. And he gave his heart to the Lord. And he asked, he said, why were you so adamantly anti-God your whole life? And he says, because I was raised in a certain uh, uh, denomination and I was molested when I was eight years old. And I've hated God ever since. Well, look, God rescued that man. And in a moment of time brought him out of darkness into light. And now he's in heaven. When you get there, you're going to get to see him. There's people all over the world like that. You say, why? Because it is not the intention of God that any man or woman ever go to hell. Now, you're going to have to accept this. It is not the intention of God that any man or woman live in hell while they're on the earth. Including you. But you're going to have to make a decision how much drinking you're going to do. Because most people, they drink up to a point in which they can still handle things. But they don't drink up to a point in which they lose their sobriety. Now, if you're drinking alcohol and you lose your sobriety, you no longer do what is sensible. I mean, people want to drive, they want to fly airplanes, they want to do brain surgery while they're drunk. Isn't that right? But they've lost... All their senses is telling them is now distorted through the alcohol they've been drinking. Now, the problem we have in Christianity today, now it was not so bad years ago, but we're trying to get it back. That's why we're believing God for revival, for a move of the Holy Ghost, for a move of the Spirit. You say, why? Because we have too many sensible Christians in the church. 
There's too much what? Sensibility. That doesn't make sense. My senses don't agree with that. Well, that's proof positive. You just ain't drunk enough. You just ain't under the influence enough. You just really have not let the intention of God impact you to the point that you've lost the sobriety of your flesh, of your mind, and of the devil. But as you come out of that and begin to realize, hey, wait a second, there's a brand new life for me to live. There's a brand new way for me to live. There's a way for me to have joy, to have peace, to have pleasure like I've never known before. And it's not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's not anything illicit like that. It's serving Jesus and coming under the influence of God's intention. When you do that, boom, your perspective changes. You no longer see yourself as a poor old sinner saved by grace. You start seeing yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. You no longer see yourself as sick trying to get healed. You see yourself as the healed of God fighting off sickness, disease, and anything that would try to attack your body. You don't see yourself as poor trying to get rich. You see yourself as the rich of God. Amen? You have to get under the influence before your perspective changes. Because if you're not under the influence, you're going to maintain the same perspective that you had before you served God. And that's going to just keep you in a place of misery your whole life. Now, once you've, once you've literally come to the place in your life in which you say, okay, God's got, God's got good stuff for me. God's got good people for me to be around, good places for me to go, good things for me to do, good things for me to receive. You begin to get under the influence of that. Your per- perspective change. Then faith steps in. Because it has the power to do what? To fully persuade you of what God has promised so that God can perform His intention in your life. He is not wanting to withhold nothing. He's not wanting to hold nothing back. He's wanting to bless. He's wanting to pour out. He's wanting to be excessive in His blessing. But the problem is we're not fully persuaded of that. Amen? So God gave us something. (laughs) Called the Holy Ghost. Whose purpose is refreshing, is revival, is restoration. And when referred to many times in New Covenant writings, it's called wine. The 120 firkins that were put into the pots at the marriage supper, type of the Holy Ghost, type of the water, pouring what? Water up to the brim, pouring water up to the brim, pouring what? Getting full of the what? Of the Word, getting filled up with the Word, getting under the all that God, getting under the influence of the Word. Then what happens? Then supernaturally, God touches it and turns it into something that brings you under the influence. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. I said, that's why you need the Holy Ghost. That's why you need to be where there's a move of the Spirit going on. You say, why? Because immediately when the Spirit of God touches the water of the Word in your life and that water becomes the wine of the Spirit, boom, you're drunk. You're now under the influence of the thus saith the Lord's. Somebody says, where are you going this morning? It's Sunday morning. I'm going to church. Don't you know the fish are biting? Don't you know the surf is breaking? Don't you know they're having sales on shoes at the mall? Don't you know? Don't you know? You say, no, no. I'm under the influence of something else. What are you doing writing that check and giving to the church? I'm under the influence of something else. What are you doing going on that missions trip? What are you doing going to that Bible school? What are you doing working in that church? I'm under the influence. 
Now, over in, the, over in the Old Covenant, people would get under the influence. Under the influence, Abraham had Isaac. Then took him up the mountain and raised a knife over him so that we could have redemption today. David killed a giant. You say, why? Because he understood... He understood that God did not want Israel to go into slavery, which is what? An intention of God, a will of God. It's not my intention that all you guys go into slavery. It's not my intention that you're ruled over by the Philistines. It's not my intention that all your wives and daughters go into slavery. And everyone in the army and the king himself was not under the influence of what David was. But David walked in with a new perspective. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Someone give me a rock. Come on, church. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you'd have been there and been, one of, been like one of the soldiers or, or one of the people that were in fear, you'd have said, what's he been smoking? What's he been drinking? Well, I'll tell you what he's been drinking. He's been drinking that new wine of the Word of God as he sat out there keeping the sheep. A bear came, a lion came, and he destroyed them both. Why? Because he understood the intent of his heavenly Father and was under the influence of it. He saw everything under another perspective and literally was fully persuaded, all I need is a rock and a sling and I can take that guy down. Now, if it worked for somebody like that under a lesser covenant, how much more should it work for us? But we're too busy. Pastor, I'd really like to do that, but I got a job, I got this, I got that. How much of your life are you going to trade for not having what God wants you to have? Amen? People always, they, they throw it back into preacher. Well, you got the time, you got this, you got that. What makes you think we're any different than you are? We got bills to pay, we got things to deal with, we've got the same life and lifestyle as everybody else. But we get under the influence of that, which God is speaking into our lives. We understand a little bit about His intention, and all of a sudden we have a different perspective. And that perspective motivates you to enter into the Word, to get fully persuaded, to understand that God has something so much bigger, so much greater, so much better than even what we're experiencing right now. Now, if I was to get on the negative side of this, which I'm not, I'm going to touch it and run the other way. We'll close in just a minute. How many people have a snake in their garden that they listen to? You say, what do you mean by that? Your garden begins to become everything that God puts you in. The relationships, your church, your Bible study, the, 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 the I don't have mine up here, mine's in my office, the, the, the chapter we read every day. It's part of your garden. Coming to services, part of your garden. Everything is part of your garden. But in the garden, there's what? There's a snake. You know, God did not leave the woman and the man in the garden unprepared for the snake. He literally in creation said, listen, I want you to take dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every creeping thing. What was he saying? Snake's coming. And for every person that dares to get born again, to get saved, and to in any way in your life just 
just a little bit. Taste and see that the Lord's good. That snake's going to rise up. And he's going to try to slither into your life. And he's going to do everything he can do to get you out of your garden. And that garden is the will of God for your life. So you have to make a decision to not be what Adam and the woman were and sell out the intention of God in your life for something you see or something you feel or something you taste or something you smell or something that appeals to your senses. Which means this, if I could be translated back to the garden and, and, and God say to me, you got 30 seconds to say something to the woman and to Adam. What would you say? This is what I'd say. You're going to have to fight to stay here. You're taking all this for granted. That snake's hanging in the tree. He wants you out of here. All these blessings, that's all you've ever known. You've never known the curse. But here's what I'm going to have to tell you. If you want to stay here where there's no death, where there's no sickness, where there's no poverty, where there's no lack, where there's nothing but God, where He comes down in the cool of day, if you want to stay here, you have to recognize you're fixing to go into a fight. And it's going to happen in your mind. And the first thing He's going to challenge is the Word of God in your life. Well, I thought God said you were healed. Well, I thought God said you'd prosper if you tithed and offered. Well I, well, I thought God said you'd be delivered. I thought God said, and see, he'll do that. Then he'll supply all of the emotion. He'll supply all of the feeling. Then he'll supply circumstances to try to refute what God's intention is for your life. That's why we've been given faith. That's why we have the Word of God. That's why we can fight that fight of faith and get to the place where we literally stand in the midst of any storm, any problem, any situation, and say this, I know in whom I believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've delivered unto him against that day. And that does what? That helps put your foot on the neck of that snake. Because that's the only place your foot fits is on the neck of that snake. God's not going to do it. Jesus isn't going to do it. The Holy Ghost isn't going to do it. The pastor's not going to do it. The evangelist ain't going to do it. The missionary's not going to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to get your foot on his neck and say, I am in my Eden and I ain't getting out in Jesus' name. And I might not have everything I'm going to get right now. And I might not see everything I'm going to see right now. But I have something. I have the life of God in me. And I'm under the influence to the point that I'm not going to be a sensible Christian. I'm going to get rid of that and I'm going to live for God. Glory to God. Preach myself happy. David saw himself as a giant killer. Moses saw himself as the deliverer of Israel. Before he ever killed the giant, before he ever delivered Israel, Abraham saw himself as the father of many nations before Isaac was ever born. What do you see yourself? What do you see yourself as? People talk about low self-esteem. They talk about all these different things. Listen, the only thing that can give you the correct perspective of God's intention for your life is what happened to you when you got born again. It was not the restoration of the human family. You're a brand new creature in Christ. 
One translation, I believe it's Philip's translation, actually says we are a new species of being never before existing upon this planet. God didn't, we're, we're not a restoration project. God totally gave us new life. And because of that, that was God's intention. You say, why? Because if His contention could be, if His intention could be played out by His Son Jesus and redemption could be supplied, then God could bring the garden back. You say, where's the garden? It's in you. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Everything, now listen to me. I'm going to close with this. I hope it changes your perspective. Everything you ever need from God is not in heaven. It's not. Healing, money, deliverance, doors to open, whatever it is you need, it's not in heaven. And we're not fighting to try and get it down out of heaven. Everything that you need has been deposited in you. When you got born again, that sotos of God, His healing, preservation, soundness, safety, deliver, and full provision was downloaded into your human spirit. Your human spirit was restored not to the state that it was before Adam fell in the garden because he was in a state of innocence. Your, your human spirit was put back into a place of righteousness like Jesus Christ has when he rose from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, you've been made brand new. Religion fights it. Your mind will fight it. Your flesh will fight it. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to get it. And if you'll make that decision, God will give you every tool you need. Every tool you'll need. Revelation in the Word of God. The power of the Holy Ghost. The anointing of that which He wants to do. Everything that you need, He'll supply it for you. If you're willing to continue to proceed into His intention. The minute you stop, then the whole process stops. A lot of people say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to do something. <laughs> no, you're not. He's waiting on you to do so. The forward progression of the believer into the deeper things of God and of the Spirit is literally what God is waiting for right now. It's not the world that holds back revival. It's not the world that holds back moves of God. It's the church that does it. It's the church that goes into apathy and complacency. It's the church. The enemy comes in as a snake into the gardens of people. And they begin to get apathetic. They begin to get complacent. He begins to show them, oh, if I had time, I might do it next week. How the two trees are still here. And you get to choose what tree you eat off of every day. Whether you're going to eat off this tree of life. Or whether you're going to turn to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And eat off it. Which the more you eat off of it, the more it separates you from the intention of your heavenly father. That's why you cannot afford as a believer not to serve God. That's what Peter said in his closing letter. It is better for you to have never known to know what you know now and not obey it. Amen? Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your intention for our life. Help us ever to come under the influence of that which you have for us in life. Father, we worship you this morning. Father, where we've allowed ourselves, where we've allowed life to sober us up, 
where we've walked away from that intoxicating reality of the one in whom we live and move and have our being. And we begin to live by our flesh and our minds, not by our spirits. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Revive us. Renew us. Refresh us. Bless us with your presence and your spirit. Pour out into this church just like you did in that marriage supper. Touch that water and let it become wine. Let our perspectives change. The grace, the goodness of who you are be the relevant realities of our heart and our lives. Lord, we take that word you spoke to us through tongues and interpretation of tongues seriously. Places of obedience, acts of obedience, assignments. Lord, we receive that in Jesus' name. Lord, as we leave today, we cover the entire congregation. We know many are out vacationing. This is the 4th of July week. So we cover the entire congregation declaring over Island Church, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways. We are kept blessed and protected by God. Father, we thank you also in the righteous labor of our hands. Lord, as we go out into our community, we work out in the ocean, we work in the medical branch, we work up in the oil patch, in construction, in education, no matter what it may be, no matter what it may do, thank you, Father. We're not subject to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Lord, as we leave today that there is a door of utterance. Empower us with a boldness this week to declare the goodness of God, the blessedness of His Son, Jesus, who died for us, to be an answer to people's prayer, a problem to the devil, and a miracle in someone's life. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We leave today walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.